and welcome to this edition of our AWS podcast series, Innovation Ambassadors. I'm Sarah Armstrong, and as Senior Manager for Worldwide Prototyping at AWS, along with my AWS co-hosts from around the world, we'll act as your ambassadors to some of the most interesting engagements with our AWS Solutions Architecture prototyping teams. Every episode, we provide you with a roadmap to innovation and technology solutions. We're so glad you joined us on this journey. On this episode of Innovation Ambassadors, we're showcasing the journey of Light & Wonder, a game company focused on creating great games and leveraging technology to enable a seamless player experience across all platforms. We'll explore their work with our Envision Engineering prototyping team to leverage IoT services for asset tracking and predictive maintenance, and to learn how they harness the power of that data to provide operators with unique insights into their games and to help increase the speed of play. I'm excited to welcome to the studio from Light and Wonder, Matt Lucchetti, Director of Product Management for Card Shufflers. Thanks for being with us, Matt. Thank you for having me. And also from Light and Wonder, we have Rob McPeak, Software Engineering Manager for Card Shufflers. Thanks, Rob, for being with us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And from AWS, we have Ramin Peruz, Senior Prototyping Engineer from our America's Envision Engineering Prototyping Team. Always great to chat with you, Ramin. Thank you. Great to be here. So Matt, for our global audience, can you tell us a little bit about Light and Wonder? First, just to address the big news, we just underwent a massive rebranding and renaming, so we are excited to now be Light and Wonder. Uh, This is a name and a brand that evokes the experience and the emotion that we want our players to have when they play our games. We are a global gaming company, and our vision is to be the leading cross-platform game company. Fantastic, and congratulations on your rebranding. Tell us a little bit about your Shuffle Connect technology. Light & Wonder supplies land-based casino games as well as content for online gaming. For our land-based casino games, we have a large product offering of slot machines, table games content, electronic table games systems, and card shufflers for the table games that we supply. So we have card shufflers in casinos all over the world. I'd say we probably have a card shuffler on almost every table in almost every casino that you could find. Six out of seven continents. There you go. Wow. Yeah. We're going for seven. (laughs) McMurdo doesn't have one yet. (laughs) Yeah, so, (laughs) so... Really, the goal with Shuffle Connect is to create a network system for all of our devices, being card shufflers, in order to gather telemetry data to add value to our products, to add value for our customers, in every aspect of our business that we can find possible. And what kind of data are the Shuffle Connect devices collecting? Yeah, so that's a good question. Everything we get from our shufflers for Shuffle Connect is historic information, things like cycle counts, error messages, things of that nature. There's nothing that we gather that can jeopardize the operation. It's all information that we currently gather manually. So anytime we may have an issue with a shuffler in the field, if engineering needs to troubleshoot, we'll usually send a tech out with a USB stick to pull the logs from it. And so all that log information is effectively what we're gathering with Shuffle Connect. But what we're benefiting with is the speed of getting that information and the processing ability with that information. Also want to point out that there's absolutely no player data collected as well. So everything we collect is pretty much not impactful to anything the operator's doing. So nothing that interferes with the game, but all that data you're using to make the game faster, hopefully. Exactly. And Rob, talk to us a little bit about the complexity of these machines. These are highly complex machines and they're linked to the tables. Is that right? 
Yeah, they're really complicated machines. I remember the first time I opened one up and watched it shuffling cards, I was pretty surprised at how complex they are. You can liken it to under the hood of an automobile. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that go different ways. And if everything isn't working right, then uh, we have to uh, take it to the mechanic, except in this case, the mechanic comes to them. And so you have folks coming into the casino to look after these machines on the casino floor? Yeah, we do. Um, We have uh, field service folks that are uh, performing periodic maintenance on all of our shufflers. The original problem that we were trying to solve with Shuffle Connect was to help the field service folks actually locate the shufflers within the casino. One thing that folks might not know is that the shufflers move around on the casino floor. So not only do you have to find the pit that they're in, but you also have to find the table that this shuffler is on. And they move around if there's a failure or they want to perform some maintenance on the one that's actually being used. They just swap out for a new one and continue playing cards. So the genesis was to just allow the field service techs to find these devices because they're big places, these these casinos. Service is a, is a massive aspect of our business, right? I mean, to continue with the car analogy, a card shuffler, the, the amount of use that you get out of a card shuffler would be like driving your car every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You'd have, you'd have to take it to mechanic probably every week. So uh, there's a, a great deal of preventative maintenance as well as service maintenance for any failed components that we need to go and, and respond to to make sure these shufflers are up and running to actually be of value to our customers. So, Ramin, talk to us a little bit about how you got involved with the Envision Engineering prototyping team and helped tackle this really challenging problem of connecting to these devices and getting that telemetry data off of them. The genesis of the project was that, you know, I was out in the, for the G2E gaming conference in Vegas and I came across what back then was Scientific Games, you know, booth. And I got to talking to the engineering folks and, and really they, I was amazed at how much, you know, high tech was involved in these products. And so when I, when I came back, I connected with the account manager and the account manager said, yes, they're actually looking for some help in uh, some of the areas in IoT and connectivity. And then we all got to start to talking and carved out something. Our team makes prototypes and then we hand them to the customer to continue to take to production. And so we found uh, a couple of nice projects and this was this was one of them. So talk to us a little bit, Rob, about the technology, how we're connecting the devices, what kind of communications we're using, what the environment's like. The environment inside of a casino is very unfriendly for wireless technologies. And we needed wireless technology to be able to have the flexibility that our customers need to be able to move things around and not have to plug extra things in and and all that kind of good stuff. So we're using two different kinds of wireless technology. Number one, we're using ultra-wideband. There's a device inside the shuffler that talks to a device on the table. That's how we locate the table that we're actually physically located on. And then the device on the table actually then communicates over a long-range radio to the gateway that's in the back office. And that particular uh, radio interface is extremely resistant to radio interference. It's not very high bandwidth, but it allows us to travel through a very challenging RF environment over long distances. Take us from there, Ramin. Talk to us a little bit about the technology that we were able to bring to the system. 
One of the things that I thought was super interesting and cool about this project is that anybody who's ever done industrial track and trace will recognize the problem, which is you're trying to find something, a needle in a haystack. And so as these shufflers are moved about tables and unplugged and replugged back in, they reestablish a connection to that anchor and they basically that's how they identify where they are. And that, so that information now needs to make it to the cloud. You need to know where their, their last known location is. And so between the ultra-wideband for precision direction finding, there's also a gateway. And that gateway then connects to the cloud. And it's secure end-to-end, both in transit and all the data is encrypted at rest as well. And we came up with an architecture that was all serverless. And so it could scale from, you know, very few pay-as-you-go. So during development, the nice thing is, you know, you're not really paying for a lot of unused resources. And then as you scale up, it automatically goes and scales up to whatever you need. So Matt, you've got the tag and anchor system going and you've got the telemetry coming off of these devices. Talk to us a little bit about how that evolved then over time. It evolved quite a bit. So the original ask to engineering was basically, you know, we're, we're getting some data from our shufflers. We can connect to them hardwired but we can't get a location service. We can't tie a a shuffler to a table game. And and without doing that, the data we were getting was almost useless. So that was the original ask. They came back to us with something that was much more capable than what we had originally thought. They came back with a wireless, as we've discussed, tag and anchor system where shufflers would communicate with a device on the table to tie configuration and table data or table configuration data to that specific shuffler. So we came in with this very simple problem and we said, we just need a solution for this. And the solution they provided, it was this aha moment of like, wow, you guys, what you've given us has opened so many more doors to what we can provide, right? And, you know, we talk about a network of devices providing data and what that data will do for us is where the value is. So we have asset tracking. We know where our products are live, where they're located, not just within the casino, but around the country, around the world. You look at improving our service responses and not only knowing when a shuffler is down, but knowing how to respond to it, what the issue is, what we need to bring on site so we can fix it before we actually have to troubleshoot it. That's invaluable to us. And then just the data that we finally realized we could give back to our customers, the table games data by tying shufflers to a a table itself, being able to give near real-time information on how an operation was running for table games managers, really invaluable. How does that help us, Matt? It helps in many ways. First off, just from a device management standpoint, Operators need to know when a device goes down so they can replace it. So a shuffler, and I don't know if we touched on this already, but the two main functions of a shuffler are to increase the speed of the game by automating a manual process, taking away manual dealing from the dealers and creating an automated process for that. Uh, And then security, so ensuring that you don't have people adding or removing cards from a, a deck, making sure that you have a truly random shuffle every time you put cards into play. That's the key. Beyond that, adding this data allows our operators, our customers, to see when a device is down so that they don't have downtime. They can swap it in and out. In the future, we want to get to a point where we can give data on how a table game is actually operating. So is this theme working better than this theme? Is this table limit working better than this table limit? Different attributes and variables that go into actually configuring a table game. Hopefully, we can provide data to help operators make decisions on on how to improve their floor. That's really where I see the value for our operators. I mean, we often talk about that data being so key to different insights and providing that advanced analytics. Talk to us a little bit about the architecture of the data platform that you all built. 
Everything is tied through AWS IoT. That's kind of the entry point. And so there's security from the devices back to the cloud. And one of the nice things about AWS IoT is that it provides a very simple rule-based system. So you can like direct the data any place in multiple places if you want. So the system we put together both was used to uh, invoke a Lambda to see if there was any faults with the system so they would be notified in real time. It would be used for the prototype we built, uh, send a push notification to a mobile app with the location of the device, what parts were missing, what the problem code was, and then tell the maintenance person, you can go here and find the device and, and fix it. Simultaneously, you could send the device to archival stuff. So you can do data lakes, you can do all kinds of analytics later, which is one of the nice things about this project was that, as Matt said, the actual usage data from the device itself could then be used to guide the next generation of devices, which was a nice insight that came from being able to collect that information. So often we talk about during experimentation, especially when you're innovating with something new, there's often things that don't go quite as we expected or were a little bit more challenging than we thought they might be. Rob, talk to us a little bit about something that might have happened in this engagement. When we started this project out, we, we started with a software simulator because we wanted to be able to decouple the software development process from the hardware development process, which was running in parallel. And so Ramin and I teamed up and wrote a software simulator to allow us to exercise the functionality, use the whole protocol that we developed for this particular project. The next step after that was to put that simulator on a device. So we put it on an ESP32 based device that allowed us to you know, turn knobs and click buttons and do other things to trigger various conditions along the way. And then uh, you know, we moved from that to a single board computer that was a generic single board computer and, and we continued to do that in, in a sort of a limited deployment for development purposes. Then we got our first hardware in and we ran it and everything was working fine, which was was an amazing uh, validation of, of the method that we, we used to develop the, the software in parallel with hardware. But then the bad news came. You know, we're in the middle of a, or at the tail end, hopefully, of a global pandemic and it's affected uh, global supply chains. And so the gateway platform that we'd chosen for our project was we were getting quoted lead times well over a year. And so we went back to the drawing boards, designed our own hardware, spun up a whole new gateway um, board and all the software that goes with it and uh, brought that up. So along with changes to the design of the tag and you know a whole new gateway, we, we encountered some challenges along the way, but it, it worked out. How about you, Ramin? What were some of the challenges that you saw that might be a little bit different from what you'd experienced before? Well, when we started the project, our focus was really on the speeding of the process of real-time data going to the cloud, real-time maintenance notifications. And it soon became very evident that the provisioning and registering and deploying these devices was also going to be one of those things that you need to work out. So it goes all the way back to manufacturing. You know, where do you put the serial number? How do you register it? Who gets to touch it on the way to the customer's site and to install things? And so we ended up working on how the manufacturing process was set up, where the, the flow of things went. And so that, that was the second challenge. It was our second engagement was purely focused on that process. So it would be really easy and seamless with as few touch points uh, as possible before they got installed on the customer site. And Matt, that's so important purely for the scale of your operation, right? That seamless deployment and the ability to scale out. 
Absolutely. We want something that's easy, very frictionless for our customers, right? So if they want Shuffle Connect, we want to be able to come in and install it. And it's an off-the-shelf configuration and, and has everything you need. If you want to change anything up, it's very user-friendly. That's the vision for Shuffle Connect, definitely. And, and speaking of frictionless usage, uh, one of the things that fell out of this project that was a really a, a nice thing, and, and Matt kind of alluded to it earlier, was we were actually able to store Shuffler configuration on the table. In normal operations, casino operators will pull shufflers in and out of tables and move them around, you know, whether something goes wrong and they need to replace it with another one or it's undergoing its periodic maintenance or whatever. In the past, what they've had to do is once they move that new shuffler in, they have to go through the configuration process, which is a manual operation. With Shuffle Connect and the fact that those configurations are stored in encrypted form on the table, the shuffler is able to then load that configuration automatically and configure itself automatically for the game that's being played on that table. So that's another one of those frictionless operations. That's a huge operational advantage for our customers, for sure. Anytime you have to swap a unit, it causes a little bit of heartburn. So being able to just have that automated configuration reduces that downtime. If you think about a casino on a Saturday night, any of you have been to Vegas, it gets incredibly crowded, incredibly busy. Uh, you want to have as little downtime as possible as a table games operator in that situation. So Matt, tell us a little bit about where we are on the journey. After the prototyping phase, where are we now? I really feel like we're at the tipping point with Shuffle Connect. We've got all of the software for the uh, supported devices developed. It's just a matter of releasing those. We're in a highly regulated industry, so everything that we do release has to go to every jurisdiction where gambling is legal to be approved, reviewed and approved. So right now we're in that process of releasing the software, getting it approved. We are planning to have a live trial site in the next few months where we'll have Shuffle Connect spread across several hundred devices and several different properties in an effort to really gauge what we have, try to give it a real rigorous field test, work out any bugs. After that point, we'll probably redrop or respin some software to make sure all the bugs are out, add any additional features that we need to. Uh, and then hopefully by early 2023, we'll be ready to go to market with the commercial release. But even with that version, we're still just breaking ground with the potential of Shuffle Connect. I, I think, you know, we talk about how this started as a simple problem of how can we locate shufflers to tables on a casino floor. And we got something that was so powerful, we looked at it and said, we need to make this a product. And now it has the potential to be one of the most important products for table games that we offer. So there's a lot of excitement behind Shuffle Connect. We cannot wait to get it out and uh, hear what our customers think about all the, all the benefits that they get from it. As we close out, I'm wondering if you have any lessons learned or, or reflections that you'd like to share with our listeners about the experience, Rob, of doing this prototype and what advice would you share? As a software engineer, I have to say that looking at the available services list in AWS is a little daunting to start when you first get exposed to it. So I would say it, it's been invaluable, really, to have Ramin to help us pick and choose the services that we needed to apply to this particular project. And what were some of the lessons that you had coming out of this, Ramin? If, if I stand back from it, um, we're solving several classes of problems here that is common to anybody making devices, which is if you, you know, locating a device, your assets, that's one of the things. Provisioning it, 
figuring out if something's broken, and then insights on the usage of a device, and then learning from that to improve your product. So we took the lessons we learned from these engagements and with, with Light and Wonder, and since then we've done a few other hardware engagements, and we've boiled all of that learning into a framework that we're releasing very soon into open source called Simple IoT. And once it's out, we hope people take a look at it and then consider that a lot of these things come built in into this system, and connecting to the cloud doesn't have to be a scary proposition. And Matt, final word from you. Any lessons for our listeners? Just from a product perspective, what I learned is really something so particular or a problem that you're trying to solve that can seem so small can evolve into something so large and and turn into something that you maybe didn't expect it to become. I learned to keep an open mind, to always continue to, to explore the possibilities with the technology that's in front of you, continue to push the boundaries on, on new technology and challenge how you can solve problems different ways. And it's opened the door for us, really, as far as what we're going to be able to accomplish with this. Matt, Ramin, Rob, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your journey with us. Thank you. Thanks, thank sir. you. Thank you for having us. I'd like to thank our listeners for coming on today's journey with us. Innovation Ambassadors is a production of the AWS Media Series. Look for future episodes of our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite streaming platform. If you have ideas for future episodes or comments on this one, send us a tweet at hashtag AWS Innovation Ambassadors and share your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.